0: Hello, people of the way. We're going to continue our study through the Old Testament. And if you have, have your Bible, turn to Leviticus chapter 24, Leviticus 24. And if you recall these statutes that the Lord is giving to the people of Israel, remember how the Lord told the people, he said, you know, you guys go, you guys go to the promised land and I'm not going to be with you because if I go with you, I'm going to kill you guys. You guys are a stiff necked people. It reminds me a lot about us today, Uh, reminds me a lot about us today as Christians, believers in Jesus Christ, and sometimes we too have a stiff neck. You know, sometimes, you know, we can read the Word of God as a book of suggestions, and I don't advocate that in any way, shape, or form. It's very dangerous to do that. But, you know, something happens in our flesh. That was in Exodus 33 when the Lord tells in verse 3, Exodus 33, verse 3, Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go up in your midst, lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people. It's very important to remember this, the, the human nature. Because what happens is when our heart is aligned with Jesus Christ, it's a denial of human nature. And you see the intercession of Moses with the Lord. And then what happens? The Lord says, okay, I'm going to give you the law again. And here it is with sacrifice, now with blood. Now you have all these rules in Leviticus where it's blood sacrifice. There has to be blood life for life. And last week we studied in Leviticus 23 the feasts and the festivals, which are a shadow of the things to come. They're symbolic of Jesus Christ, the fulfillment of Jesus Christ. And here we are in chapter 24, the book of Leviticus, and we're looking at uh, uh, something very, very special, which we're going to touch on here. Look what happens here in chapter 24, verse 1. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Command the children of Israel that they bring to you pure oil of pressed olives for the light to make the lamps burn continually. So what happens here is notice that it's pure oil. Notice also, it's for the light and that the the lamps need to burn continually, which means they're always burning. They're always on. Do you remember when the Lord told uh, uh, Pharaoh through Moses, he says, I'm going to make a difference between my people and your people. And that's what he said. But then at the same time, you also see in Exodus chapter 10, verse uh, 21, you know, it says, then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hands toward, toward heaven, that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt, darkness, which may even be felt. It's palpable darkness also translates as wickedness, palpable. And then the darkness comes in verse 23 says, they did not see one another, nor did anyone rise from his place for three days. But all the children of Israel had light in their dwellings, very powerful, which means they had oil for their lamp. Oil for the lamps. Imagine all the all the land, Egypt, in all its might, just black. You can't see anything. Thick, thick darkness. Except you see light. Where is the light? Oh, it's with the Jews. It's with our slaves. Imagine uh, Egypt. No light. Where is the light? Where is it? It's in Egypt, or it's in uh, 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 Israel. It's with our slaves. What does that say about their God? I mean, imagine Egyptians. They're like, wow, we have our gods. We're going to pray to these gods, the God of this, the God of that. And then all of a sudden, where's the light? You're praying to your God for, or they're praying to their God for their light. And they're not getting light. They have darkness. And then all of a sudden they see light and it's with Israel. What does that say about their God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? See, the Lord makes himself known. It's going to happen in the last days too. When the Lord becomes forgotten, just as the Lord was forgotten in Egypt. And then all of a sudden, the Lord makes Himself known. Except, my only question is, where is the light? Who are the ones that have oil for their lamps? Knowing that what's going to happen in the last days, there's going to be virgins. Five are foolish, five are wise. The parable of the ten virgins. All virgins. It's beautiful. You know, they're being... Uh, 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 the virgins there's this uh, chastity to the things of the world they have lamps they have oil the darkness comes they're awaiting the bridegroom wow praise the lord except something happens when the darkness comes the five foolish they run out of oil they have to go and get some more and they come back and it's too late they're stuck outside where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth virgins virgins the five wise, they had plenty of oil for their lamps. That's why you hear me say, be very generous with the fruit, but be very selfish with the oil. Very, very selfish with the oil. Look at here in verse 3 of Leviticus 24. It says, outside the, outside the veil of the testimony in the tabernacle of meeting, Aaron shall be in charge of it from evening until morning before the Lord continually. So, you know, you have the high priest from evening till morning, it says it shall be a statute forever in your generation. So from morning to evening, evening when it's dark. And there's this command given that Aaron's in charge of it. And what, what is the, the command? That there's uh, uh, to make uh, uh, the lamps burn continually. Remember, Aaron is the high priest. Aaron is the high priest, a shadow of the real high priest in the order of Melchizedek. And what happens? Lamps with light Lamps with light. In verse 4, He shall be in charge of the lamps on the pure gold lampstand before the Lord continually. You see, you have to remember as we study these passages in the Old Testament that they're just mere shadows. It's a law but with loopholes. You know, sometimes I say that and people haven't heard me teach on that and they say like, Oh! Oh my goodness the law the, the Bible has loopholes well no the law has loopholes it was created that way to make way for a secondary law which is the law of the new covenant we study that in the book of Hebrews but something that I want to uh, uh, touch on is this passage in Hebrews chapter uh, eight turn to me turn with me really quick to Hebrews chapter 8. In Hebrews chapter 8, verse 1. Now, this is the main point of the things we are saying. We have such a high priest who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle, which the Lord erected and not man. For every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. Therefore, it is necessary that this one, notice the capital O, this one, also have something to offer. For if he were on earth, he would not be a priest, since there are priests who offer the gifts according to the law. Who serve the copy. You see? Who serve the copy. So these passages we read in Leviticus, the priest, Aaron, the high priest, it's like, well, they're just, they're serving the copy. I mean, it's beautiful that they're serving the Lord and unto the law. But understand that the law has a purpose. It all points to Jesus Christ. We're in the age, what's called the church age we a people of the new covenant. He says in verse 5, And a shadow of the heavenly things, as Moses was divinely instructed when he was about to make the tabernacle. For he said, God told him, See that you make all things according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. The blueprints. Remember our study in Exodus? When the Lord was giving Moses all the blueprints? Now really quick, turn to Revelation chapter 1. In Revelation chapter one, verse ten this is Brother John, Brother John, who walked with the Lord and who wrote you know the letters to the churches, and the Lord gave him this vision in the book of revelation to 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 give to the people to write these down and give to the churches. He says in verse ten I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, and then you know so he's having this vision." he had in his hand, right hand seven stars. The stars in verse 20 are angels of the seven churches. Out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun shining in his strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. How beautiful this is to see Brother John in worship of the Lord. You know, he walked with Jesus Christ. And he was filled by the Holy Spirit, used of Jesus Christ, in writing his letters to the churches. And now in Revelation, he's having this vision on the island of Patmos, left for dead, forsaken of the world, and the Lord is having intimacy with him. He is having intimacy with the Lord. And what does he do? He falls on his face and worships the Lord. I wonder how many people today would fall at their feet as if they were dead, prostrate before the Lord. Just they prostrate before the Lord. I wonder how many people today would do that. And this is John. He walked with the Lord. Surely he had intimacy with the Lord. And look, he's worshiping Him. Never forget that in our walk with the Lord, yes, He's friend. Yes, our Lord is Savior. He's closer, very close. And at the same time, never forget that He's Lord. He is due reverence, all the praise and honor and glory that He is due because He is worthy. Remember when, you know, John started crying? in heaven because no one was worthy to open the scrolls and then all of a sudden a lamb comes walking in it's like wow he is worthy he is worthy to open the scrolls now let's look at verse uh uh, chapter 2 in revelation still chapter 2 verse 2 this is to the angel uh, to the angel of the church in ephesus what's said in verse 1 but in verse 2 he says i know your works your labor your patience and that you cannot bear those who are evil And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. You see, the Lord has become forgotten to the angel of the church in Ephesus. To the angel of the church in Ephesus. And now look what happens. Verse 5, remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Very interesting to see this terminology of lampstand in the presence of the Lord. And remember, all the things written in Leviticus, the law, the statutes, all, it's all a copy. These ministers, the priests, the high priests, they serve the copy. What is the copy of? What's revealed in the heavenly realm. What we're looking at here in, in, in chapter 1 and chapter 2 of Revelation. The lampstand. You know what happens? The Lord says, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand. Do you know what that means? No light. No light. That's what he means. There's no light. And to prevent that, in order for there to be light, what does he say? Repent. You see, unless you repent. That's what's so beautiful about repentance. Never, ever, ever be too proud to repent. A lot of people are too proud to repent. Never. Keep your heart soft before the Lord. We studied that on Sunday about the circumcision. The people of God who have soft hearts before Him. And we looked at these passages to understand that this, what we looked at in Hebrews 8, the copy, the things of the law are a copy. And we look at Revelation to see, okay, a copy of what? The heavenly realm. The heavenly realm. Now let's go back to Leviticus. And this this charge of Aaron, you know, in verse 3 says, Aaron shall be in charge of it from evening until morning before the Lord. Now, what happens evening to morning? Darkness, this darkness, and the high priest is in charge of it, lowercase h, lowercase p, the high priest. Now, since this is the copy, what about the high priest in the order of Melchizedek? What about the lampstand with light? Continually. You see, all these things that are we're studying in Leviticus—they're a shadow of the things to come. Beautiful things. You say, "Okay, the shadow of the things that came." No, there's still more coming. The the vision that that uh, John saw in the spirit—you know—in our glorified bodies, we're going to see that in the presence of the Lord. Provided we abide in Christ, we're in the same boat. I say we abide in Christ, but you and me individually, we abide in Christ. It's hardcore. Be careful with the world. The world has a way of like, you know, pulling attention away from the Lord. And Satan is very effective in in doing that with a lot of people. Pulling away many strong men, many strong women. But you know, each and every one of us, we have a choice to make in our lives. Look what happens here in verse uh, 5 in Leviticus 24. And you shall take fine flour and bake twelve cakes. This is challah in the in the Hebrew. I have a problem sometimes with my ch. It's the ch, You know challah. You see, if you go to a Jewish bakery, a Hebrew bakery, Jewish bakery, and you see the challah bread. It's pretty good. It's tasty. But you know these cakes that are written. It just translates as challah. I don't know if it's the same recipe. You know. But what's so beautiful is you have these passages. It's like wait a second. You see the the uh, the bread. But then what happens is that there's the inclusion of leaven. Let's read a little bit further. He says, you shall take fine flour and bake 12 cakes with it. Two-tenths of an eva shall be in each cake. You shall set them in two rows, six in a row. Now, row here translates as piles. You know, what's happening here is the Lord is teaching us uh, uh, the application of showbread. Do you remember when we studied the showbread? Sometimes you see little diagrams of showbread. You know, on the table that the uh, uh, Lord commanded uh, when he gave Moses the blueprints. And sometimes you see, you know, it's written here. I read out of the New King James Version. It says, you shall set them in two rows. But how it translates in the Hebrew is you shall set them in two piles. That's why you see these diagrams sometimes. And it's piles of bread instead of the rows of bread. Because it translates in the New King James as rows. But you look at the Hebrew and what is it? It's piles. So verse 6 says, you shall set them in two piles. Six in a pile on the pure gold table before the lord now let's go to exodus exodus 25 really quick a little refresher course because we studied this but here in exodus 25 something happens look at verse 30 exodus 25 verse 30 says and you shall set before the showbread on the table before me always now remember the showbread here there's All these instances in reference to bread or cakes or um, unleavened bread where it's hardcore unleavened. This is unleavened. This is unleavened. But if you recall in our study, do you remember how we mentioned that, you know, there's no scriptural evidence that this showbread is unleavened? And I love it. I am so in love with that aspect of the showbread, especially what we read here in Leviticus 24 being challah. Because what does that tell us? What does that tell you and me as believers in the New Covenant? Believers in Jesus Christ in accordance to the New Covenant. Well, when you came to Jesus Christ, I know you had leaven. I had leaven too. And yet Jesus Christ took us. And He cleaned us up. But something also happens in these earth suits that we wear presently. We still have elements of leaven inside of us because we're in these earth suits. We still have a carnal nature inside of us. Which means that we have to reckon the old man dead, the old woman dead. We can't be old wineskins. We have to be new wineskins. And we have to carry our crosses. Remember, the cross is an instrument of death. We have to carry our cross Jesus Christ himself carried his cross, but it was to his death. He had a little help. Remember when you know somebody helped him? Very powerful in terms of ministry leaders. You help another person carry their cross. You help another person die. You know, you're a Bible teacher, ministry leader, youth leader, whatever, pastor, elder. And Jesus Christ is carrying his cross, and then somebody comes along and helps him. Helps him. To his death. That's a ministry leader. You help another brother, help help another sister to the death. You help them carry their cross. Death in Christ. Where the law is nailed to a cross. Where the works of the flesh is nailed to the cross. And so all of a sudden we read these passages about the showbread. But now I want us to turn to 2 Timothy. Turn to 2 Timothy 2 Timothy chapter 1, 2 Timothy chapter 1. Here in verse 7, chapter 1, verse 7, 2 Timothy, Paul writes, Pastor Paul writes to younger Pastor Timothy, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. It's very important to understand this power is dunamis power. It's a power that's not yours. It's not mine. It's that of the Lord. And we don't have to be in a spirit of fear. God has not given us a spirit of fear. It's very important to understand that because as the days get darker and darker, there is an element of fear. I mean, I don't advocate uh, demonology or study into demonology. I don't advocate that for a novice. I don't advocate that for you know even you know like a elementary school or middle school or high school that's like collegiate level uh uh, learning demonology not 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 like the, the, the the actual practices of demonology but to understand this spiritual aspect in terms of like satanism and what they do how these satan worshipers what they do because it's an equipping of the saints but it's for ministry practice, for ministry purposes, to understand the warfare. I see it as like an intelligence brief. When you study, like, Islam, when you study Catholicism, when you study, you know, uh, liberal Luth- Lutheranism, Luther- Lutheranism, when you study a uh, 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 liberal Episcopalian, when you study, you know, certain aspects of the battlefield, it's like getting intelligence reports because it will help you to be a better fighter. It's not for the novice. You know, it's not for like if I had like a ministry team, you know, I'd gather pastors, I'd gather elders, gather Bible teachers, gather youth leaders. And so, okay, look, you know, number one, they wouldn't be in that position if they were a novice. But then number two, they would be in a position where we say, okay, look, this is the landscape of what we're facing. You know, we have this ministry over here, ministry over here. We have, you know, people coming in to visit and, you know, come one, come all. But these are things that we have to be keen on. These are things that we have to pray against. And when you see an aspect of, you know, a lot of times pornography, drugs, alcohol, these are the occult, you know, people playing with their Ouija boards. These are doorways into like, you know, demon demonism, demon possession. These are all doorways, gateways into the demonic, things demonic. It's not good. It's evil in the sight of the Lord. And so if I were to gather all the ministry leaders, it's okay, hey, we're going to talk about this. We're going to study this. And we're going to see what the Bible has to say about this. This alignment with, you know, uh, Ashtoreth, alignment with Molech, alignment with uh, the Amorites, you know, the Hittites, the Hivites, and their gods. You know, a lot of times when you study this demonology, it's like, wow, it's the same God. He's alive and well. Lowercase g. Same idol, same demon. The exact same, the works of Satan. It's like an intelligence briefing. Okay, you see this coming to church, we got to kill it. Metaphysically speaking, you know, we can't allow this in the fellowship. Why? Because we have a job to do, which is to teach, exhort, you know, equip. But then at the same time, we have to protect lambs, we have to protect sheep. And so that's what Paul's writing to young Pastor Timothy. Timothy. Don't be afraid. God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind, which is a self-control. Self-control is how it translates. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. Very interesting. Paul's in prison when he's writing this letter. He's in a home or a house arrest. And he says, you know what? Yeah, I'm a prisoner of Rome, but above that, I'm a prisoner of our Lord. It's all in obedience to the Lord. He's telling Timothy, "Don't be ashamed of Jesus Christ, and don't be ashamed of me. Yeah, I'm a pariah, but don't be ashamed of me. You follow me as I follow Christ." You know, at the end of Second Timothy says, "Nobody's with me. Only Luke is with me. Damas has left me. Nobody's here. Now everybody's left me." But then he says, "You know what? Give me, send me my papers, because I'm going to write these letters." He says. But share with me in the suffering for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, nor according to our work, not according to our work, but according to his own purpose. You know what purpose is in the Greek, how it translates? Showbread. You see? But according to his own purpose, it translates as showbread. So you hear me say these priests, and the uh, Aaron, the priests, They serve the copy. You see showbread in the Old Testament. You see showbread that has leaven in the presence of the Lord. It has leaven. But then now you see in verse 9 here, but according to His own purpose or His own showbread, which has leaven. What about you and me? You know, we have leaven. We come to Christ. We're in Christ. We're abiding in Christ. And you're still going to wrestle with the leaven. You're still going to have a thorn in your side, which is a form of leaven. And the Lord tells Paul, you know, Paul prays to the Lord, Lord, take take these thorns out of my side. And the Lord says, no, I'm going to leave those right there. You know why? Because my grace is sufficient. You deal with this flesh and you call out to me. You wrestle with the flesh and you cry out to me. And I like that. So I'm going to keep those thorns right where they are. Because my grace is sufficient. Wow, how beautiful is it? When when you think in terms of showbread, our lives being showbread, my life, your life, being showbread in the presence of the Lord. You hear me say these things as New Covenant believers, like when we started our study in Leviticus, you know, we talked about, we studied the burnt offering. And I made mention, you know, start thinking of your life as an aroma before the Lord. What is it that you want to present to the Lord? Do you want a beautiful aroma to be to the Lord? Or do you want to be a stench before the Lord? Your choice. Now, you could be stenchy, sticky before the Lord. When He takes you, He receives you. But Jesus Christ cleans His own fish. From fish to lamb to sheep. And you could stay sheep. Or, you know, the Lord might say, Okay, you're a fisherman now. Or you're a shepherd now. In whatever ministry He calls you to. And so look what happens here. In a, but in verse 9, uh, Timothy, 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1, verse 9, But according to his own purpose, which translates as showbread and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. Whoa, that's powerful. And we're going to hit this hardcore in Romans in our study on Sunday. Eventually we'll get there, but it's in Romans about predestination. Now when I say predestination, it's not in accordance with Calvinism. It's not in accordance with Reformed theory. It's in accordance with the Bible and what the Bible has to say about predestination. It's very important for us to understand these things. Because in this age of Neo-Calvinism, people teach about, you know, predestination. And because of these concepts that they have theorized about predestination, especially about once saved, always saved, they're starting to teach that it's okay to take the mark of the beast, which is unbiblical. Number one, never, ever, ever take the mark of the beast. But there's people today, mainline Calvinistic teachers, neo-Calvinists, reformed theorists, who teach that it's okay to take the mark of the beast. I can name names, but I'll hold off for a little bit. They're starting to teach replacement theology. It's been around for a while. But replacement theology, the new one that's arising, is this mark of the beast. That you can take the mark of the beast and still be saved. Unbiblical. Directly contradicts scripture. Scripture never ever ever take the mark of the beast but that's why i say these things because you know sometimes you might hear it or you might hear a friend or whoever say this and it's like wait a second you know you say this but the bible says this and so look what happens here in verse 10 but has now been revealed by the appearing of our savior jesus christ who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel to which i was appointed a preacher an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. You see? Let's go back to Leviticus now. It's very important for you and for me to understand these Old Old Testament concepts. In terms of our lives. Your life and my life as showbread in accordance with the new covenant. Your life as an aroma to the Lord. Your life as a drink offering to the Lord. Your life as a burnt offering to the Lord. Because as we study these things in the New Covenant, remember, Jesus Christ told the the Pharisees that, like, you know, we're of Moses. We we believe the writings of Moses. And Jesus Christ says, Moses wrote about me. That right there is the contrast between the letter of the law and the spirit of the law. The spirit of the law reveals Jesus Christ, the spirit of the law reveals uh, the copy, the spirit of the law directs to the original Jesus Christ. The high priest in the order of Melchizedek. The spirit of the law shows the beauty of a drink offering, the beauty of uh, uh, the burnt offering, the beauty of uh, showbread. And so, let's look what happens here. Going back to Leviticus twenty-four, in verse seven, and you shall put pure frankincense on each row or each pile. Remember the piles of showbread. On each row or pile, that it may be on the bread for a memorial and offering made by fire to the Lord. Now, if we were studying the letter of the law, read verse seven would be like, "Okay, you know, pure frankincense each row, uh, it may be on the bread for a memorial and offering made by fire to the Lord." You know, okay, I got my verse in for the day. But no, since we're new covenant believers, and we see the spirit of the law. In light of your life and my life as showbread in the presence of the Lord. Yeah, with leaven. But, you know, less and less. You know, you're all, you know, you can have an immense amount of sin before the Lord. And you say, I believe in Jesus Christ. He takes you. You're caught of Jesus Christ. You're a caught fish at that moment. And then he starts to clean you. He starts to transform you. And then you go from fish to lamb. You're a baby, baby sheep. You're a lamb, a brand new believer. And then you go from lamb to sheep. You're a more seasoned believer, a mature believer. And in that state of maturity, what happens? The Lord can call you into whatever ministry. Maybe a shepherding ministry. That would be like a teacher, a, 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 um, an elder, a pastor. Uh, maybe an evangelist. You know, or you know, like a fisherman ministry, like an evangelist. You know, you see the... Like with Philip, you see the Philip and the two Simons, Simon Peter and Simon, and the one who the Holy Spirit bypassed. So like uh, Philip was in the fisherman ministry. He was an evangelist, and people believed. And then the shepherding minister came, which is Peter, and realized, wait a second, this guy doesn't have the Holy Spirit. Well, you know, the, nobody had the Holy Spirit. The holy They'd only been baptized into Jesus Christ. And then all of a sudden, you know, every the Holy Spirit came upon the people except for one, Simon. His heart wasn't right before the Lord. And Peter was in, you know, the shepherding ministry. He says, "Okay, you know, you need to repent. Your heart is wicked before the Lord. That's why you don't have the Holy Spirit." You can't buy it. You can't buy his power. No, he knows your heart, and he skipped you for a reason. You need to repent. See, so you have the fisher ministry being Philip, but then you have the shepherd ministry, you know, noticing these things. One body with many parts. Does that mean that Philip and Peter were enemies? No way. Uh, Of the flock of God, of the fold of Christ, but still different ministries in accordance with his manifold grace. So we're a people of the new covenant. And you read verse 7 with the spirit of the law and it just takes a whole new shape for you and for me. Let's read it again. Verse 7. As showbread, our lives being drink offering together. Whether in whatever capacity, whatever ministry, I don't care if you're a freshly caught fish. I don't care if you're a lamb. I don't care if you're a sheep. I don't care if you're a shepherd or an evangelist, fisher fisher ministry or a, a shepherding ministry. I don't care. Now, if you're a wolf, I care. If you're a wolf, metaphysically, I have a task to do. I have a job to do. I have to protect the sheep. I have to kill the wolves, slay the wolves. And I'm speaking metaphysically. I don't mean like, you know, if you're a wolf, I'm going to kill you. But if you're a wolf, you know, we're going to have words. I'm not going to cuss you out. I'm not going to beat you up, you know, but we're all going to have words. Why? Because I have to protect the sheep. I have to protect the lambs. The Lord is transforming people from fish to lamb to sheep. That's a very holy process. If you're a Bible teacher, if you're an elder, if you're a pastor, if you're in any shepherding ministry with the Word of God, rightly handling the Word of God, that's your job. That's your task. That's what Paul was exhorting Timothy in. Let no one despise your youth. So let's read verse 7 now. Together, you and me, as showbread, as drink offering, as burnt offering unto our Lord. Our lives being a pleasant aroma to our Lord. And you shall put pure frankincense on each row or each pile. That You know it's so beautiful? You consider these piles of showbread. It's like showbread upon showbread upon showbread upon showbread. Two piles. It's like intimacy in the body of Christ. The fellowship of the saints. How beautiful is it when you start to think, you know, understand that what we're looking at in the law is just a copy. But what is real? A lot of times people look at the world and they call it what's real. but It's fake. It's all fake. It's all a facade. The real is paradise. That's the real. It requires eyes of faith. It requires ears to hear and eyes to see. Required. And the Lord gives it. Look what happens here. And you shall put pure frankincense on each row that it may be on the bread for a memorial. So you have this frankincense, pure frankincense. That is a memorial on the bread. An offering made by fire to the Lord. You see, it's all in in accordance with the Lord, but all an offering to the Lord. You know, when the people came to Paul, Paul, what do we do? We want to serve the Lord. What should we do? And Paul tells them, look, present your bodies a living sacrifice, which is your reasonable service. Offer yourself. Give Him your heart. And verse 8, Every Sabbath he shall set it in order before the Lord, continually being taken from the children of Israel by an everlasting covenant. Now, blind and deaf people, they can't understand these things. The blind and deaf, they read the Bible like literature. You know, they might know it. They might memorize verses. They might have, you know, uh, 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 understand certain aspects as literature. But the Bible is spiritually discerned by the Holy Spirit, spiritually discerned. That's the problem with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They didn't know. They followed the letter of the law. But they were blind to the spirit of the law, which is why they were blind to the fulfillment of the law, Jesus Christ. Which is also why they wanted to kill the fulfillment of the law. Which is also why they did kill the fulfillment of the law. But in so doing, they themselves fulfilled scripture, prophecy. And the law was nailed to a cross. See? See? Even the Lord, you know what the end, what the, the devil in, in, intended to use for harm? The Lord turned it around and used it for good. You see? Just like the Lord does with you and me in our lives. You know, you think like, oh man, this is bad. This is terrible. Well, you just be patient. Let's wait. Let's see. What, let's allow time for the Lord to work and see what He does. And in time, we'll rejoice together. He says this in verse 9, And it shall be for Aaron and his sons, and they shall eat it in a holy place. For it is most holy to him from the offerings of the Lord made by fire. But a perpetual statute translates as an everlasting covenant. An everlasting covenant. You remember? It's you know, it's very... How do I say this? You know, you hear me say like you understand why the Lord kills Eli and his sons. But understand, you know, Eli the high priest and he had his priest's sons, they were wicked before the Lord. Instead of people being cleansed by the Lord, instead of people being clean and right, their hearts, they're in peace with the Lord. Instead of that happening, it was the priests and, you know, the priests, Eli's sons, they were committing such great acts of wickedness. A lot of sex, but there was great acts of wickedness and Eli he was the type of dad that wanted to be his the friend of his kids i bet you he never disciplined his kids never wanted to spank his kids i mean you look at kids nowadays the millennial generation oh i've never been spanked that's you know i don't believe in corporal punishment i don't believe in this so my, my parents they taught me that they never did this you look at their behavior in the world they've never been disciplined their entire lives And you see it, it's on full display for us to see. Full display. Look at a millennial go crazy. You see millennials go crazy because, you know, something doesn't go their way. And they go crazy. It's like, wow, you know, this guy's 26 years old, 28 years old, 22 years old. And he's acting like a little three-year-old baby. Little baby. Facial hair, muscles, all these things. And it'd be better if he was wearing diapers. See, he's a contradiction unto himself. She's a contradiction unto herself. But that was the problem with Eli. He failed to discipline his kids. He wanted to be his kids' best friend. And the Lord, in accordance with the law, the high priest, Eli, would go into the holy place, the Holy of Holies, once a year, and commune with the Lord, and receive instruction from the Lord, and come out unto the people and say, Okay, thus saith the Lord. He would have special communion with the Lord. And the Lord wouldn't speak to the high priest The Lord wouldn't even speak to the priest. Instead, the Lord killed the priest and the high priest. The Lord wasn't speaking to them. You know who the Lord spoke to? Beautiful, beautiful little Samuel. Let no one despise your youth. Beautiful Samuel. A little boy. His mom was barren. And she prayed before the Lord, you know, Lord, give me a baby and I'll give him to you, Lord. And I'll teach him to honor you. And, you know, she raised him for a little bit. but Then she gave him to the priests. So said, here, raise my son in the Lord. It says a lot about her obedience, her faithfulness. And she would, like, knit little clothing, little, little priest, priestly clothing. And give it to her little boy. What does that say, Allah, for parents? You know, you the robe that you give your children. You know, you clothe your children. They grow, like, you know, fast. You know, when I was a kid, I used to get pants, but like big pants. And so, like my mom would tell me to roll up my legs, so I'd roll them up. You know, so I'd have these, you know, like the rolled up things. So it lasted me a long time. I could grow into them. So, like when they were brand new, I'd have these big thick rolls at my shoes. You know, because I'd have to roll up my pants. You know, and I never got made fun of because you know I, I connected with you know. But I saw other kids get made fun of for that. I was like, man, I do that too. But you know, you know, I didn't, you guys don't make fun of me, so it was cool. But I mean, I used to roll up my pant legs, you know, a lot, and I had big, thick rolls at my feet. And so, like, I'd get bigger, you know. And it's like I just roll up my, roll up my legs. My pants would still fit. Then I started to get chubby, you know. It's like, oh man. But then I lost my chubbiness, you know. And it's like, so I wasn't like super chubby, just a little, little chub, you know. And it's so cool because it's like that's what you do with your parents. You, know, you have to make provisions for, you know, your kids are growing like crazy. So you buy big pants and you roll up the legs. And then, you know, as they grow, it's like you don't have to buy new pants. You can just roll down the leg. So, you know, you got to stretch the dollar a little bit. And it's so powerful because it's like, you know, parents say, like, okay, I got to clothe my kid. I got to put this shirt, new shirt on, this new dress on my daughter, you know, the pants for my son, you know, pants for this guy, whatever. And, you know, to understand like, wait a second, parent, mama, papa, Clothe your children with Jesus Christ. Clothe them with Jesus. Give them Jesus. Remember Hannah? You know, barren. And the Lord blesses her, gives her a baby, opens her womb. She gives birth to Samuel. She's making little clothes for him, little priestly garments. Give your son, give your daughter the priestly garment of Jesus Christ. You know, yeah, there's pants, there's dresses, whatever, shirts, whatever. Give them Jesus Christ. A covering. Teach them. The next generation of righteousness. And so Samuel got to a certain age. He's sleeping in bed and he hears a voice. Samuel. And he's like, what? What is this? He goes to the high priest. I hear this voice. Eli, go to sleep, Samuel. Get out of my face. Go to sleep. I'm trying to sleep here. It's very interesting. In, In accordance with the law, the Lord would speak to the high priest. Except with Eli, the Lord did not speak to him. The Lord did not speak to his sons because of their wickedness. The Lord spoke to Samuel, a prophet of the Lord. You see? How the Lord bypasses all these people, okay? You want to be crazy? Okay, I'm going to go to Samuel. Eli, you don't want to correct your kids? Kids, you want to have sex with these people when I want them to be clean? And you want to defile them? You want to defile yourself? Okay, I'm not going to speak to you either. In fact, I'm going to speak to this Samuel. Look how beautiful he is. Look how his mom prayed. So I'm going to speak to Eli. And when I speak to him, I'm going to tell him, I'm going to kill you guys. You guys are dead. You've had your chance. Look at them. The the kids were adults. I mean, picture Eli's sons when they were five years old, 10 years old, 15 years old, 20 years old. All these opportunities. So finally, the Lord speaks to Samuel. Samuel, I'm going to kill these guys. Now, I speak loosely in saying that because it's just paraphrasing. We're going to study it in depth and hardcore when we get there. But you see how the Lord bypasses. Okay, you know what? You want to be... Crazy? Okay, I'm going to skip over you. Just like he did with Simon. Simon who had the passion, the desire to, you know, to serve in ministry. Except he wanted to buy, purchase with money the power of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit skipped over him. Because his heart wasn't right before the Lord. All these Old Testament examples. Look at at, uh, Esther. Where were the men? That's what happens. You have all these scaredy cat men. And then you have beautiful Esther. And her male covering was Mordecai. Mordecai. Always a male covering. Look at um. Um. I can't believe I forgot their names. Um The ones who had taught Apollo, husband and wife, um, I can't believe I forgot their names. But there was a husband and wife, and and, um, uh, I'm going to take some time to look for it. I forgot their name. Um, It is, I hope I don't take forever looking. The husband and wife, oh, it'll come to mind pretty soon. But you know who I'm talking about. If you've been listening, you said I make mention of them all the time. Beautiful husband and wife. You have the wife ministering to Apollo, teaching him. They, you know, Apollos was teaching the gospel of John, and and you know they asked him, you know, are you, can you tell us what what uh, baptism do you teach? They said, I, you know, Apollo said I only teach the baptism of, of John. He says no 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 no, come hang out with us, come hang out with us. We're going to teach you. And they taught the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then Apollos went in. And he started to teach in the area of Corinth. That was one of the divisions of Corinth. People said, oh, I'm of Paul. I'm of Apollos. I'm of Cephas. They would have these fights, you know. This guy's my teacher. This guy's my teacher. And Paul says, look, we're nothing, you guys. We either plant or we water. But it's God who gives the increase. Always God who gives the increase. It's bugging me. I can't believe I forgot their name. I didn't forget their name. I just—I guess I did forget their name. Um, it is Aquila and Priscilla. Aquila and Priscilla. That's the husband and wife. Priscilla, beautiful, beautiful. Prissy, Prissa. You know, Paul. The, the Luke, Doctor Luke calls her Prissa. You know, Prissa. It's like you, beautiful, beautiful, like a uh, uh, nickname for Priscilla. She had the male covering her husband. And so, look what happens here. Let's go back to Leviticus 24. Now we have in verse 10 the application of the law. And it's hardcore. It says, Now the son of an Israelite woman whose father was an Egyptian. This is like the first the first case. You know, the first case in, in accordance with... Because we've been having the, the, the giving of these statutes... And this is like you know case number one. I mean, you go to a course and they're like, okay, you know, case number eight three five two two five six seven or whatever. You know, they have these long numbers. This is like okay, case number one. You know, but it's hardcore. It says now the son of an Israelite woman. I shouldn't say case number one. I mean, there's other passages of the application of the law, but from in Leviticus you have all this instruction for um, to be clean before the Lord, to be right before the Lord. Now, here's the statute that comes up. So on the docket is case number, could be one, could be like eight, maybe 12. But here, now the son of an Israelite woman whose father was an Egyptian. Very interesting. So his dad was either a, a, an Egyptian who feared God and denied Egypt and joined the camp of Israel. Or remember, the Jews were slaves. Maybe the mom was raped by an Egyptian. So it's not really clear. But either way, the son was like, you know, uh, half-blood, you know, half-Jew, half-Egyptian. Half-Jew, half-Egyptian. Half and so now you see um, the son of an Israelite woman whose father was an Egyptian went out among the children of Israel. And this Israelite, Israelite woman's son and a man of Israel. So half-Jew and full-blood Jew, they're fighting it says they fought each other in the camp. And the Israelite woman's son blasphemed the name of the Lord and cursed. Whoa. You know, how many people today, they just say, oh, God, expletive. Or they say, Jesus, expletive. Whoa, be very careful. The Lord hears. The Lord hears. And he is witness. He is witness. And so, look what happens here in verse 11. It says, and so they brought him to Moses. His mother's name was Shilom, Shilomith. Shilomith. It's, it translates as peaceable in the Hebrew, the daughter of Dibri, of the tribe of Dan. You know, I was wondering last week, why was I picking on the tribe of Jan, Dan? Well, you see Dan mentioned here. in Verse 12, then they put him in custody that, that the mind of the Lord might be shown to them. It's so beautiful when you see what happens here in the patience waiting upon the Lord. If there's ever any time where you have to make a decision... You know, wait on the Lord. Don't make rustic decisions, especially if you're like giving counsel, godly counsel. Say you're a Bible teacher, a pastor, an elder, a youth leader, and somebody comes to you and says, hey, I need help. I got a situation. It's very important. Number one, you can't be a hypocrite. You cannot. It is biblically not allowed. You cannot be a hypocrite. Because we studied it on Sunday. You sow seeds of judgment to yourself. And you can't be carnal either. You're going to have a a level of carnality that we're always going to deal with. But you can't be carnal because someone's going to come to you and say, I have a problem with pornography. And if you have a problem with pornography and you start teaching about it, woe is you, W-O-E. How many pastors today? How many elders today? How many Bible teachers, ministry leaders are disqualified biblically? A lot. A lot. That's why Brother James says, let not many of you be teachers. Let not many of you be teachers. You know, what if somebody comes and says, oh, you know what? I cheat on my taxes. You know, I say I make this much, but, you know, I really make more. It's under the table. I don't report it. And, you know, I I, I, I save this. I get an extra $2,000 tax credit. So all in all, I save some money. It's actually good because look what I can do with this money. Look, I can help the church. I can help this family over here. So God is pleased with it because, look, I'm helping him. That's dirty money. Dirty scales. The Lord doesn't like this on his scales. Old Testament and New Testament, he hates it. And somebody comes to you with wanting counsel, and what if you have dirty scales too? And you're going to counsel? You teach the Bible, and you're going to counsel? No way. Woe is you, if that's the case. W-O-E. Don't do that. We studied that on Sunday, Romans 2. You cannot be a hypocrite if you're a teacher, if you're a pastor, elder, youth leader, ministry leader. Cannot. Biblically, you cannot be a hypocrite. You have to take the plank out of your own eye so you can see clearly why, so you can correct another brother, correct another sister. But to take a period of time, what if somebody comes to you, like, I got a problem, okay, let's sit down, what is it? And they just unload on you. And, I mean, sometimes it's easy. You know, somebody comes to you, I got a problem with pornography. Well, you know, I'm not going to do anything for you. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to tell your wife. Your wife will have an easy problem cleaning that issue up. You know, I'm going to tell your lowercase h helper, you know, and problem will be solved. Your wife has no problem smashing your computer to pieces, throwing it in the trash. Your wife has no problem taking your phone and smashing it to pieces with a hammer. She has no problem with it, I guarantee you. Oh, don't tell my wife. Don't tell my wife. What? So you want to keep this, you want to keep this secret? Like, why, why, why are you asking for counsel? When you don't like the remedy. You don't like the solution. You don't like the fix. You like a different kind of fix. Oh, I'm doing drugs. I'm on meth. I'm on crack. Okay. That's a piece of cake. Cut it out. Let me have your crack. Let me have your meth. Now, if I was a hypocrite, I'd start doing meth, I'd start doing crack. But if I'm not a hypocrite, I would "Give me, give me the crack." You know, okay. Give me the crack. Give me the meth. Give me the meth. Okay, I got the meth. Here, watch me. Let's go to the bathroom. Flush it down the toilet. Flush it down the toilet. I'm not a hypocrite. I Have no problem. All oh, that meth, that's the street value. All oh, the crack, street value. Look at that coke, street value. It's you know, five thousand dollars. I I could care less. Is five thousand dollars worth the destruction of your flesh? The destruction of your family, your wife, your kids? You're telling me that $5,000 has more value than that? You're crazy. You see, okay, now that we've dealt with it, I mean, sometimes people ask for counsel, but it's a piece of cake. You know, no pornography, you need to repent. Crack, give it up, give it to me. Let's throw it in the trash, let's flush it down the toilet. But then sometimes they'll come to you and it's like, oh, You know, I got this problem. Okay, let's sit down. What is it? And they just unload, and you're just like, whoa. And they want answers. People are hungry for answers. And you know what's so beautiful to tell a brother, to tell a sister? My beautiful brother, my beautiful sister. I don't know. But this I know the Lord can fix this. Let's seek his face together. You know, let's pray, let's fast. And this isn't a time, you know, if you give counsel to go on Facebook, social media to say, oh, look at me, I'm fasting. This isn't show off time. That means you're God. That doesn't mean God is God. That means you're taking glory away from him. Never do that. Never take glory away from the Lord. All glory is unto the Lord. And him alone. So you tell a brother, tell a sister. Sometimes it's a couple. Maybe it's a family. Hey, family, you know, I know you guys are, you know, 10 year old kids. But you know what? Let's do this. We're going to pray. No social media. Don't don't go on social media and say that you're fasting. But let's just pray. And in a couple days, we'll circle back and, you know, we'll talk about this more in a couple weeks, a couple months. But through it all, we're going to pray. You know, we're going to have little Bible studies. We're going to read our Bibles. We're going to have a period of time where we fast. Don't tell anybody. This isn't show off time. This isn't time to go on social media and say, look how holy I am. Look, I'm fasting. No. Tell nobody. Because our Father in Heaven sees and He responds. He rewards faith. And then all of a sudden, a week later, two weeks later, a month later, you come back. Hey, how are things going? And it's like, wow, you know, I can't believe it. You know, this is, look at all these things that have been happening. Look at this. And sometimes people even, what's revealed, some people say, you know what? The problem is still there, but my heart is different. My mind is different. And yeah, it's the problem is still there, but it's no longer a problem to me. Wow, praise be to the Lord. Prayer answered, the Lord has responded. And that's what's so beautiful about, you know, waiting on the Lord And that's what happens in the law law here in verse 12. They put him in custody that the mind of the Lord might be shown to them. Now, this is the law. I'm not saying, you know, you request counsel, you know, you need help. You know, talk to your pastor. The majority of listeners, I have no idea who you are. I don't know if you go to church. You might be listening and you consider this your church. And if that's the case, you know, you come across issues, go to the church website, hit us up. You know, we'll help you. You got problems? We're in We're in life. We're in this world. We're in these earth suits. And we're on a journey. We're on our way to Zion. We're on our way to paradise. And you just say, hey, you know, listen. And, you know, I need help with this. I got a situation. Now, if I say, okay, what's the situation? You say, I'm on crack. <laughs> That's a piece of cake. You got to put down the crack. Oh, I got a problem. What's the problem? I'm on meth. Piece of cake. I'm a porn addict. Piece of cake. I'm being on my wife. Piece of cake. I'm cheating on my wife. Piece of cake. There's big ticket items. They're a piece of cake. You need to repent and cut it out. Go and sin no more. In some cases, you might have to call the police. I have to call the police. You know, you say, oh, yeah, I'm running from the cops. Why? What did you do? I killed the guy. Okay, well, let's get your heart right with the Lord. And, you know, your heart's right with the Lord now. Okay, now we've got to call the cops. we got to honor the Lord. And I'm going to pray for you. I'll come visit you in prison. You can start your prison ministry, you know, start a little fellowship and teach the Bible. That's reaping what we have sown. You know, and it's so powerful just to take time and seek the face of the Lord, that the mind of the Lord might be shown to you, just as is written here in verse 12. Very powerful for ministry leaders, Bible teachers. Youth leaders, pastors, elders—you cannot be a hypocrite, as we studied on Sunday, Romans two. Hypocrites need not apply. You know, I was, I was. If I ever had like a ministry school, you know, like maybe if we had like a church building, I'd have like a special office where it's like you know special meetings happen, ministry meetings, but then I'll have a sign on the door, you know, "Hypocrites need not apply." <laughs> You can't be a hypocrite. I'm sorry. That's not. I'm just a messenger. You cannot be a hypocrite. There's no power, zero power. A lot of people seek counsel from hypocrites. There's no power. You know, pray extra hard because you're receiving counsel from a hypocrite. Pray extra hard. You know, because it's like, wow. You know, the your heart is right with the Lord. You know, the the Lord will respond. But then at the same time, to receive counsel from a hypocrite, it just does not work that way. It's like seeking counsel from a blind guy, asking directions from a blind guy. You know, hey, blind guy, you know, I need directions for this. It's like, okay, well, how's he going to tell you? What if a guy's blind and deaf? You're going to receive counsel from him? You see, it's self-inflicted. Sometimes we get counsel. It's like, you know, somebody says, okay, yeah, I got a problem. And the counsel is okay, you know. It's unbiblical. Sometimes. Not all the times, but sometimes. Where there's hypocrisy, no power. No dunamis. So let's look what happens here in verse um, 13. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Now this is the application of the law. Take outside the camp him who has cursed. Then let all who heard him lay their hands on his head. And let all the con- and let all the congregation stone him. <laughs> I don't, now, listen. Forgive me. I don't mean to laugh, but this is the law. So, like when I say, you know, go to the church website, request counsel, or if you know if you have my contact information already, you know, hit me up, whatever. But you know, I'm not gonna say like, okay, let's wait on the Lord, okay, and then call you five days later, okay. Thus it the Lord, I have to stone you. No, that's the law, <laughs> you know. This is the law, the Old Covenant. And the wages of sin is death. And that's what's so beautiful about the New Covenant. To be alive in Christ Jesus. But still, you know, the concept still remains. You know, to take time to seek the mind of the Lord. And so look what happens here in verse 15. Then you shall speak to the children of Israel, saying, Whoever curses his God shall bear his sin. Now, does this mean that God is making an example of this guy? Me personally, I don't think so. It could be. And you you might say that, you know, oh, it's obvious. The Lord's making an example of him to teach Israel a lesson. Don't do this. And I, I would get that. I would understand it. But I don't think so. It's very interesting how the fear of God can become forgotten. I mean, if you've ever seen like a major earthquake or talked to people who've been in a major earthquake, like, you know, 6.0 and above 6.5, maybe 7.0, you know, 8.0. These are devastating earthquakes. The same day of the earthquake, say the earthquake happened at 8 a.m. Well, at noon, everybody is freaked out. Everybody is sober-minded. Everybody is, you know, nobody's fighting. You know, everybody's just like, you know, is your family okay? Have you have you suffered any? You know, is your dad okay? Is your mom, is your kids okay? Everybody's just like making sure everybody's okay. You know, neighbors and people who don't, strangers. It's just like, wow, you know, sometimes tumultuous times make for, you know, strange fellows. You know, because it's like, wow, this this tumultuous time, it's, you know, we don't have time to be enemies. You know, I want to make sure you're okay and you're making sure I'm okay. And let's make sure these other people are okay. That's what happens in tumultuous times. You see it in earthquakes. You see it in you see it in devastating tornadoes, you see it in floods. Nobody's worried about white and black and all, you know, whatever. They're just concerned about, is everybody safe? But say a month after an earthquake or a year after a flood, what happens? That sense of attachment becomes detachment. And that's what happens with the Lord sometimes. You know, it's like, look what happened with Israel. Their captors are dead. The might of Egypt destroyed by the Lord. Look at everything to this point. The Lord rescued Israel. Everything to this point. And all of a sudden, I mean, look at the golden calf. When, you know, a large chunk of the camp was killed because they didn't want to come to Moses. It was like straight up ultimatum. Those who are with the Lord, come stand here next to me. Ultimatum. Hardcore ultimatum. Those who are with the Lord, come stand here next to me. And some came to him, some stayed away. And then Moses gave the command, okay, kill them. Kill them. Paul writes, you know, to the church in Rome and to the church in Corinth, these things are written for our example, our admonition, so we could learn the fear of the Lord. People of the New Covenant, to know the fear of the Lord, but even still, what happens with the fear of the Lord? It's very possible in the carnal flesh for the fear of the Lord to become forgotten. What's easier to remember is the love of the Lord. It's easier to remember. Because it's, it's easier. It's love. You know? I don't mean, you know. I don't mean to say it like that. Like, oh, it's just love. No, it's good. But the love of the Lord and the fear of the Lord must be in tandem together. Must be in your life. Love of the Lord and the fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of wisdom, the fear of the Lord. For this particular individual, I wonder, you know, he got in a fight. If you've ever gotten in a fight before, you know, there's expletives all over the place. You punch, you get punched, you throw a punch, you get punched, you get kicked, you get hit in the ribs. You know, headlock punches and expletives are being thrown out. But what did it take for this guy to lose his self-control? He gets in a fight with another guy. They fought each other in the camp as revealed in the end of verse 10. And then all of a sudden, the Lord was blasphemed. In verse 11, the Israelites, Israelite woman's son blasphemed the name of the Lord and cursed. Whoa. Peter did too. Remember Peter when he denied Jesus Christ? It's kind of like the, the steps of his denial. How he denied Jesus Christ and it got like louder. And then the last time he denied Jesus Christ verbally, there were expletives. His old nature started to creep up. For me, I've told you before that my, the, the, the biggest aspect of my life, my carnal nature is anger. Where anger can easily turn into rage. And rage can easily turn into wrath. I don't like that. And so what I do to avoid that. And I've learned this, I've learned it the hard way, and my wife has helped me, you know, my lowercase h helper. But what I've learned is to just keep my mouth shut, don't say a word. And sometimes I have to walk away. And praise be to the Lord. Now, on the outside, you could look at that like, man, this guy's such a chicken, you know, he's he's not standing up, he's not doing this. It's like, okay, well, I don't care if you see that as a chicken, that's fine. But I'm afraid of myself. I want my body, I want my vessel to be in honor to the Lord. I want my behavior, my character, my nature to be a sweet aroma to Him. I don't want to be a stench before Him. And because of that virtue, I have to make choices where if the world sees me as a chicken, praise be to the Lord. But what's raging in this temple, I have to honor the Lord. And, you know, if you're with me in the car, you know, and we're on the freeway, you know, you might see it where it's like, okay, you know, I might just go quiet. You know, because inside it's like, okay, I'm not going to defile this temple, but that means I can't say a word. Because I I, I have to walk on eggshells. So I have to leave earlier sometimes, you know, manage my time better. We're we're a work in progress, you know (laughs) But, you know, there, there might be things in your life where you have to walk on eggshells And praise be to the Lord, you know, we're not glorified yet But we run a race and we're moving on to perfection Moving on to perfection And I'm not making excuse for sin But what I'm doing is teaching you how to manage it You give it to the Lord And sometimes you just say, Lord I I I can't be in this environment. These people are talking this mess. These people are saying this. It's getting kind of riled up. And I just got to extricate myself from this situation. I'm out of here. And you pray for them. Lord, I know this guy. You know, he said this about me. He said this. He's, she said this. She said that. Lord, they don't know what they're doing. You know, forgive them. You know, I was trying to tell them about you. And they started teaching about, you know, Satan Or, you know, they started teaching about whatever God they worship. Lord, they don't know what they're doing. Forgive them, Lord. Give them grace. Maybe I can see them tomorrow. Maybe I can see them next week. Because I want them to receive Jesus Christ. Or maybe, you know, maybe you're going to call me elsewhere. Because your mindset changes. Your mindset changes. Let's look at what happens here. In verse 16, And whoever blasphemes. Very interesting how this word blasphemy in the Hebrew is to curse, to strike, to pierce, and to puncture with holes. Very interesting. Does that sound familiar? Curse, strike, pierce, and puncture with holes. He says, And whoever blasphemes the name of the Lord shall surely be put to death. All the congregation shall certainly stone him, the stranger, as well as him who is born in the land. Whether he blasphemes the name of the Lord, he shall be put to death. Very interesting. You know, in the Old Covenant, the wages of sin is death. Even today, the wages of sin is death in accordance with the law. But what happens when God's only begotten Son became sin? What happened when He became sin? It's a reversal of death. What happens when He Himself, the Son of the Most High, is blasphemed? When He is cursed? When He is stricken? When He is pierced? When He is punctured with holes? What happens? It's the reversal of death. And what is the reversal of death? Life. Life. And remember, here in accordance with the law, in verse 16 says, All the congregation shall certainly stone Him, the stranger as well as him who was born in the land, both Jew and Gentile, all are without excuse. The law upon the whole world. And the law is nailed to a cross. Nailed to the cross with Jesus Christ. What does that mean? You don't want to be under the law? Praise be to the Lord. Look at the cross. To where the law is nailed to. Very powerful, what the Lord has done and is doing. In verse 17, whoever kills any man shall surely be put to death. Whoever kills an animal shall make it good. Animal for animal. If a man causes disfigurement of his neighbor, as he has done, so it shall be done to him. Fracture for fracture, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. As he has caused disfigurement of a man, so it shall be done to him. You see? So it's like, okay, you break my arm, I'm going to break your arm. You knock out two of my teeth, I'm going to knock out five of your teeth. You know, tooth for tooth, eye for eye. That's the law. That's the law. I'll say it again. That's the law. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. If you've been walking with me for a while, we've studied this. So this is a little refresher course. But in Matthew 6, let's turn to Matthew 6. Matthew 6 verse 38 Thus saith the Lord You have heard that it was said An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth That's the law But I tell you Who is this guy Imagine if we were there in the crowd in the midst Who is this guy No disrespect to the Lord But who in the world is this Who speaks like this The rabbi last week told me You know, tooth for tooth, an eye for an eye. He told me last week. I've heard it my whole life, an eye for an eye and tooth for tooth. My dad told me he's gone to temple the whole time. I went to temple when I was a young kid. I'm still going to temple. All my life I've heard eye for eye, tooth for tooth. And this guy says you have heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for tooth. But I tell you, who in the world is this? I'll give you the answer. Who not of this world is this? It's Jesus Christ. Son of the Most High, the Lamb without sin. And because He's without sin, He is qualified to ratify the Old Covenant, a full and complete ratification of the law in accordance to the obedience of His Father in Heaven, hallowed be His name, a new covenant. He is the only one. He sits at the right hand of God. He has authority. And the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has a son. Born of a virgin. Emmanuel. His name is Jesus. Hallowed be his name. He says in verse 39, But I tell you, not to resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. This behavior of a believer in Jesus Christ is impossible without the Holy Spirit. Impossible without the Holy Spirit. You see Christians get into fights? You know, like, you know, somebody wants to go to blows. I'm at like, you know, carnally speaking. Where's the spirit? Where's the Holy Spirit? Christians, you know, doing all kinds of crazy behavior. Sex, drugs, rock and roll. Where's the Holy Spirit? You know, a kingdom divided will not stand. A heart divided will not stand. Will the Holy Spirit blaspheme Himself? No way. So where is the Holy Spirit? I don't mean to say that as an indictment. I mean, if you have... Tendencies, carnal tendencies that lead you into crack, into meth, into coke, into whiskey, into strip clubs, into pornography, into XYZ, whatever, into tax cheats. My question is this. Will the Holy Spirit bring dishonor to the Holy Spirit? Is the Holy Spirit divided against the Holy Spirit? The answer is no. You know what that means? You believe in Jesus, which is a good thing. You say you're a Christian, which I say, praise the Lord. But your baptism is the baptism of John. It is not the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit. You need the Helper, capital H. You need the Helper. Now, it's not to say that, you know, like you immediately will like, you know, like, you know, you have the Holy Spirit and then immediately, like, you know, all these things will happen. But, you know, immediately you will feel conviction. Hardcore conviction. Hardcore conviction. Hard, hard, hard conviction. I can't stress it enough. You will feel it. You know why I say this? I tell you from experience. I have felt it. And I hate it. I can't I it's detestable to me. I don't like it. And so I behave accordingly. I don't say that like you know, people I've been accused of like, you know, you teach a workspace salvation. No, I don't. I don't see it. I mean people say, well, you know, the Holy Spirit does it, the Holy Spirit makes you do this. That's compulsion. If the Holy Spirit makes you, that's compulsion. And God doesn't make robots. You know, that a lot of Calvinistic people say that. People of the Reformed theory. The Holy Spirit does it. The Holy Spirit makes you do this. That's compulsion. You have a choice to make. You have a choice to make. Yield to the Holy Spirit or dishonor the Holy Spirit. But be very careful with the baptism of John. Because it'll only go so far. It's religion. There's the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and that's where the power lies. That's where the power is. Not my power, not your power. It's the power of the Lord. That's where the helper, that's why you'll be able to turn the other cheek. You'll be able to love your enemies. You'll be able to keep your heart of the circumcision. And people will tell me oh that's a works based salvation well it's not works based you know why because brother james when he talks about faith and works being together inseparable brother james points to abraham he says the faith of abraham the belief of abraham and then you read genesis 22 in your own private study read genesis 22 and i have i want a special assignment for you you read genesis 22 Let me look. Make sure it's Genesis 22. Okay. So read all of Genesis 22. And take notice specifically of everything that Abraham does. Okay? Everything. All the works. The steps of Abraham's feet. Take notice of His works, the works of His hands, the steps of His feet. Take notice of His works. And once you take notice of His works, ask yourself a question. At whose command? And you know what's revealed? Obedience. It's not works-based. Abraham's not doing works for works. His works are obedience. Which reveals what to us? It fulfills what our Lord Jesus Christ even tells us. If you love me, obey my commandments. If you love me, follow me. That's not works-based salvation, my friend. It's obedience-based. So, oh, the thief on the cross, he believed in Jesus Christ and he was in paradise. Well, don't forget he's on the cross. You know, he's not going to come down from the cross. You know, he's he's dying. He's like you know, moments away from death, so he didn't have much opportunity for works. What about you? Oh, I believe in Jesus Christ. Okay, even the demons do. Oh, but I believe in Jesus Christ. Okay, then why? What, what's up with this myth? What's up with this crack? What's up with the whiskey? What's up with the pornography? What's up with the sex? What's up with the strip clubs? What's up with the Coke? What's up with the spoons? That's the love of the Lord and the fear of the Lord. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. The baptism of John. Praise the Lord. The belief in Jesus Christ. Simon the, Simon had the same thing. What he did not have was the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's much deeper than what you presume. People accuse me. Oh, you teach a workspace. It's not workspace. Oh, you're such a legalist. I'm a legalist. I don't do crack and you call me a legalist. I'm not on meth and you call me a legalist. I'm not a sex head and you call me a legalist. I'm not on a, in a whiskey bottle and I'm a legalist. I'm not a tax cheat. I don't do my little white lies. And I'm a legalist. No, I read my Bible. And so I teach. I don't say this to condemn. You know, I don't say this to hurt or cause injury. But I say this to equip, to teach, to exhort, to warn even. Because we're living in very, very dark days. And it's gonna get worse and worse and worse. And just as there was darkness in Egypt, where was the light in Goshen with God's people? Let's still stay in Matthew 30, uh, Matthew chapter six, verse thirty nine. But I tell you not to resist an evil person. But whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. If anyone wants to if anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Give him who asks you, and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. You have heard that it was said, that it was said, past tense, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Okay, it's Old Covenant. But I say to you, see, the only one who can ratify the Old Covenant is the fulfillment of the Old Covenant. But I say to you, love your enemies bless those who curse you do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you that you may be the son that you may be sons of our father in heaven for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust let me tell you something my friend i love you you must protect your hearts in these last days You must protect your heart. Because the days are wicked. Prophetically speaking, hearts will wax cold. Prophetically. Hearts will wax cold. The church will become apostate. But there is a remnant according to grace. And that's who I'm speaking to. That's who I hearken. That's who I beckon. That's who I urge the remnant. You must protect your hearts. As difficult as it is, politically speaking, a, I live in America. We're in a political season. Everybody's, you know, Republicans hate Democrats. Democrats hate Republicans. You have the liberals, you know, libertarians now. Everybody's joining the fight. Everybody has their wants their say. The Supreme Court, big issue. Roe v. Wade's at stake. All these things. It's hate, hating season, so to speak. But you must protect your heart. Love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Why? The Lord answers that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. You see. For my sisters, (laughs) you may be sisters. Remember, in Christ, there's no male, female, slave free, rich, poor. So sometimes I feel bad for the females. Because it's like there's a lot of uh, wording in the Hebrew, in the Greek, in the Aramaic, a lot of male-centric wording. And like I read this and it's like it's red letters and I love it, but it's like, wow, what about my sisters? And then I remember, well, you know, we're the bride of Christ. So then I laugh, you know, haha, guys, you know, we're the bride of Christ. Looking forward to the bridegroom. And I don't want you to be foolish. I myself, I don't want to be foolish. We're in the same boat. I want to be wise. I want you to be wise. I want to teach wisdom so that we're ready. And when the darkness comes, we have plenty of oil for our lamps. But you must protect your heart. So let's go back to Leviticus in closing. Leviticus 24, verse 21. And whoever kills an animal shall restore it, but whoever kills a man shall be put to death. You shall have the same law for the stranger and for, the, and for one from your own country, for I am the Lord your God. See, applies to both Jew and Gentile. Remember, God is no respecter of persons. No respecter of persons. With Him, there is no partiality. No partiality. We just studied that on Sunday, Romans 2. Now in verse 23, in closing, you have the penalty of the law. Then Moses spoke to the children of Israel, and they took outside the camp him who had cursed and stoned him with the stones, with stones. So the children of Israel did as the Lord commanded Moses. You see, praise the Lord for the new covenant. We're so spoiled now because we're under the new covenant. But that doesn't say the law is the law is still in effect. The law is still in effect. The wages of sin is still death. People tell me, you see, well, that means you believe in stoning. We should stone this person. We should stone that person. Stone the homosexual. Stone the lesbian. So it's like, wait a second. Slow your roll there, my friend. I should be stoned. I should be stoned. Because the wages of sin is death. And my sin is great. My sin was great. I should be on the cross, dead. But God so loved the world that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. And I believe in Jesus Christ. He changed my heart. You see? And I'm in love with Him. That's why I love Him so much. He took my sin. You know the woman caught in adultery? Woman, where are your accusers? He could say the same to you and to me. Where are your accusers? Where are your stone throwers? They're gone. They fled. Why? Because we're in grace in the arms of Jesus Christ. And so if you want to come at me with that argument and say, Oh, you believe that we should be stoned? No way. No way. I should be dead. I'm on borrowed time because I should be dead. God loves you. Repent and receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. How beautiful it is, this new covenant, the promises of the new covenant. Life in the new covenant. How beautiful it is and how sweet it is. Praise be to the Lord. Holy is His name. Jesus Christ, Son of the Most High. We're going to end our study here and Lord willing, pick up in chapter 25 next week. God bless you guys. Love you guys.